the financial services industry has this reputation of being rather stolid and perhaps a bit staid and conservative. Embrace it. If something bad happens, in the end, usually it's something good will come of it. You have to be different and stand out to, to, to compete with people who have such such massive a massive customer base. Hi, welcome to The Common Creative. I'm Chris Meredith. And I'm Paul Fairweather. And we have a very exciting guest on today's show. Shortly we'll be hearing from Lexi Airy, the Chief Executive of Gateway Bank. Now, Gateway Bank is has 30,000 members. It's got 60 employees. Um, and Lexi was appointed as Chief Executive on the 1st of April this year, one of the youngest female executives, Chief Executives in the financial services industry. But what's unusual about her is she has a very strong creative streak. At the beginning of her career, uh, she re- she was toying with becoming a vet or an artist. Um, she studied American studies and computer science. Um, and in her spare time, she's a sculptor. Um, she's done improv. Uh, she's currently writing a book. This is a woman clearly who's a, a kind of on a restless journey to express herself and be creative. And I'm fascinated to find out how she brings her creativity into a rather potentially staid organization like a bank. Yeah, no, Chris, I think uh, it does certainly bring a, a new meaning to uh, the term CEO. She's the uh, Creativity Empowerment Officer. Uh, oh, wonderful. And, uh, Catch on, Paul. Creativity Empowerment Officer. And, uh, yeah, look, her, her story is absolutely wonderful and I'm really excited uh, about this interview because uh, she really does uh, practice what you and I preach uh, and it's easy, you know, from... From our, you know, positions as uh, as you know, creatives to to you know, preach to business that they need to uh, take creative creativity into their business, uh, and uh, Lexi is a is a living example of that. And through her own initiative, um, you know, with a, with a great culture, uh, she she is definitely doing that. And um, I, I, I find her uh, and her story incredibly inspiring. So I'm I'm trusting uh, that. Yeah, our listeners will uh, find the same inspiration uh, from hearing our interview with uh, Lexi. Yes, I, th- I think what will be interesting to listen out for is how she brings her creative streak from outside of the work into the workplace. A lot of people do something in their spare time, which is a bit creative, a bit of cooking, a bit of drawing, whatever it might be. But how do you apply that in work? That's the interesting thing. Big welcome, Lexi. How are you today? Good, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> We're very excited to have you on the podcast. Lexi, you and I have known each other for some years, and I think if I had to sum you up in one word, it would be enigma. You're an enigma because um, professionally, you're the chief executive of a major financial institution. The Gateway Bank has 30,000 members. It has a billion dollars in assets under management. Um, And the financial services industry has this reputation of being rather stolid and perhaps a bit staid and conservative. And yet behind the scenes, you have a very um, much more eclectic background. I know you started your career in banking and then left very quickly to turn your back on something as staid as that and studied, I think, American studies. You had a job glass firing the bottom of boats. You then did a second degree in computer science. Um, and at the time, you were, t- you were toying between becoming an artist or perhaps an architect. 
And then you you oh, kind of landed vet. A, artist or vet? A vet. <laughs> oh, forgive me. It was a vet or an artist, and and so similar career. You know, how do you solve a problem like that? Of course, go back to banking, and you've worked your way up through the services industry, the financial services industry, into the world of marketing and customer service, and on rather hopefully not auspiciously, first of April this year. Um, you became the chief executive of Gateway Bank with a background in marketing, which is unusual because obviously financial services um, tends to favor people with financial backgrounds. So I think you're eclectic and you're a fascinating person to talk to about this topic of creativity. So, so Lexi, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. You, you actually started your career right at the, the beginning of your professional life in a bank in the UK. What led you to turn your back on it and go to glass fibering boats and to considering life as an artist or even a vet? Um, well, it was quite an unusual reason in that I was sitting on the counter one day and someone came in in a balaclava and put a gun to my head. And I really remember clearly that my first thought was, but I've done nothing with my life. And it was obviously an awful thing to happen at the time, but it's actually the best thing that ever happened to me because it's made me the person I am today now I just think embrace it if something bad happens in the end usually it something good will come of it or if it's a minor bad thing it's just a funny story that you tell later on so it's really made me who I am and and that's why I try everything that's why I have a whole list of things I've tried once (laughs) because you never know when you're not going to be able to do that so it's it's that's yeah (laughs) that's that's amazing people say you know like you know, I, I had to change, you know, but someone had to hold a, a gun to my head before I changed. And they, it literally did literally happen to you. Uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> if I may, I'm going to jump in with question one and I'm going to challenge Paul to ask a question. <laughs> but, but my question is this. It's, um, clearly you have a very strong creative streak and you work in an in a industry which is very highly regulated and has a reputation of cultures which are rather um, constrained. What's it like as a creative in such a kind of disciplined industry? Uh, I think you're right. It is obviously uh, quite a risk-averse industry and it's highly highly disciplined and you can't just pull the plug out and then put the plug back in again to see what happens. But the area that I work in, which is a very small bank, is, um, is you have to be creative. You have to be. You're up against the big banks. We're only a little bank. We're only run by 60 people. So... You have to be different and stand out to, to, to compete with people who have such such massive um, a massive customer base. So you have to be different. And um, in fact, if you look at the credit unions, which we used to be in, in the States, one of their slogans was, we don't taste like chicken. They're actually saying we're different. <laughs> <laughs> and I can, I can vouch that. I was looking on the Gateway website and it says we want people that are going to enjoy their work. And that's not something I've seen often in the world of banking. And I've, when I visited our MA, we have a street library in reception. There's all sorts of things at Gateway that look a bit different. My question is, what, what do you do in practice? That What could we see that um, makes Gateway look a bit different or not tasting like chicken? Uh, I think it's the the culture, and I hate to say this because I did listen to one of your previous podcasts where you talked about values on brass plaques, and we don't have a brass plaque with our values on it, but we do very much think of ourselves as different and embrace differences, and, and we think of the fact that we're smaller than everywhere else. What of our beautiful 
Constraints. So there's a really great book by Adam Morgan called Beautiful Constraints, and it's about not looking at things that might be a negative as negative, but seeing what's the positive in them, bringing the positive out of it. So we might be small, but what can you do because you're small and other places can't do that? There's a great um, TEDx, I don't know if you've seen it, a TEDx talk by Amy Mullins, who is an amputee below the leg. And she doesn't look at the fact that she's an amputee as a disability. She sees it. She sees the fact she can have 12 pairs of legs as an enhancement. So she can have her tall legs when she wants to feel tall and her running legs and, and her other legs. And she said, it's, it's not a disability. Um, Pamela Anderson's got more prosthetics than me and she's not considered disabled. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's very much having I- that culture. I love it. We've we've actually one of our own podcasts focused on the whole benefit of constraints. So I think you're completely talking to the converted there. Uh, I think it's possible to say, and correct me if you disagree, is that unless you have a constraint, it's very difficult to be creative. One, a big open field is very difficult to kind of creative within. If you've got something that is holding you back, then you know what to push against and that helps to promote creativity. Yeah, because you actually have to use the tools that you've got and, and look at a different way of of using them. We, we call it our frugal innovation. <laughs> it's a bit like that. Sorry. Oh, I was saying it's a bit like a creative uh, sort of a, a session we used to have at the start of, of workshops where you give someone, I'm showing my age here, a CD and you all have to find different uses for the CD and that sort of thing. It, it's how can you, how can you look at your environment like that? What else can I do with things? <laughs> So, so what are what are some of the innovations and things that that you have that you do? Um, is it on external services or just purely you know, like more focused on internal uh, culture? Uh, so, one of the I guess frugal innovations was looking cross industry and and looking at our customer pain points. When you get a home loan, I'm sure you know it's you're applying and it's such a stressful. It's one of the most stressful things you can ever do. And when your application goes in, it feels like it goes into a, a bit of a black hole with some places where you're waiting for an answer and it feels like 15 years, but actually, it, it, you know, it, it's half a day or whatever. So we looked across industry and you get alerts everywhere now. You get alerts from the post office, you get alerts from Qantas. Well, not at the moment, possibly, but you get alerts. <laughs> you, can even, um, you can even get alerts from where your dog walker is taking your dog and what they've done and that sort of thing. So we thought, what about alerting people? But that's quite costly. So we looked at some of our back, what we call back channel messaging, which is to our brokers. So we um, we repurposed that as it was. We looked at something that was used for a different purpose and then repurposed it for customers and made it useful for them. So we just took something we had and re- redid it. So... Yeah, great. And Lexi, I'm just interested. Uh, Chris said that you you were thought about being an artist. I was very excited when he said also an architect, as I'm also an architect. I did study architecture uh, though with my my history degree. <laughs> oh, there, there, there you go. Do you have a Do you have an artistic uh, practice? Do you have a daily practice uh, currently in terms of an artistic sense? Um, I am. It depends what type of art you mean. Um, art in the sense of I'm trying to write a book at the moment and I've got my Bujo, which is a budget journal where I take write a few things down every day. I stole that idea. I think it might have been from Austin Cleon. But I've also quite into sculpture, which I know um, and Chris is too. So it's quite therapeutic to do something different 
And often when you're in business, you're working on strategies that take a while to come to fruition. So if you're working on something like a sculpture, which is taking a long time to come to fruition, um, especially with my lack of talent, but um, it's it's great to do that and switch off and time goes by. <laughs> I would... Lexi, I would call you a kind of restless creative because the way you, you express your creativity is it's across a whole variety of media. I mean, there's, there's your sculpture. Um, you, you do stand-up comedy. Um, I know you're a, an art buyer. Um, you're obviously writing at the moment. It seems like it's important to you to have a widespread of different creative outlets. Would that be accurate? Yes, um, but I think COVID has actually forced me to and being in quarantine to sit down and, and focus more on certain things. And actually, cause that's the hardest part I think about doing something creative is picking what you want to do and actually putting your bum on the seat and doing it, actually choosing what you want to do. <laughs> Chris and I are both nodding here because that is uh, often, you know, uh, a topic of conversation for us when we uh, flit off on different ideas. So, um, so what, what's your book about? Is, can you say, or is it uh uh, I, I'm, I'm basing it on Adrian Mole. I don't know if you know the book Adrian Mole. It was big in the UK. I think it was a diary of Adrian Mole, aged 13 and three quarters. So I thought I might do a diary of a CEO aged 47 and three quarters. Although I've been writing it a while now, so I'm not any, <laughs> the age is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 47 and seven eighths, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know Adrian Mole well. In fact, I had a friend who was a musician uh, and he used to play in pubs uh, and he's now actually a judge, uh, a chief judge actually, but he had an, e- it was an evening, uh, an erudite evening with Adrian Mole and I did, I screen printed posters for him. So, uh, yes, eight, eight, age 23 and three quarters. Lexi, can I, can I ask you, how, how are you seen by your colleagues and maybe your clients and so on um it's unusual that you're a female chief executive um it, you're you're relatively young as chief executives go and you all have all these creative outlets um that i guess your colleagues are aware of how do they see you are, are you the rebel are you the um the fresh face that they need what 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 kind of reactions have you uh, had from my colleagues i think i've heard the word quirky used a few times <laughs> but i don't mind that um and I think being female, you're right in the role. I think there was a study recently that there are more CEOs called Andrew than female CEOs. So, but but um, I'm in good company within the small banks that I work with, the customer-owned banks. There's quite a lot of well, there's a, not quite a lot. There are a few female CEOs, so um, I'm not different there. But I think also there's a lot of creative people who are CEOs in this area too. I know another one was the one that actually told me about stand-up comedy. He did stand-up comedy on an evening. So it's that creative outlet. I don't do the stand-up comedy anymore. That was far too terrifying. I stick to the improv. <laughs> I, just, I just wonder if uh, the presence of someone so creative can feel threatening to some people. One of the theories we've been exploring is that it is scary to put yourself out there and express your ideas. And it's much safer to shut up and, you know, conform to what other people do. And so um, I'm just wondering how you deal with that, if that's an issue and if you've experienced anybody feeling a little bit on guard because of somebody who's a little bit out of the mould. That's a tough one, Chris. (laughs) I guess I'm lucky in the environment that I'm in, in the business I'm in, that we're recruiting people who who 
are out of the mould, as it were. We're very specific how we advertise. The adverts are even quite quirky as well. We do say we don't taste like chicken and, and, and that sort of thing, and, and we make a real point. But but within the – I am aware when I'm talking to a number of people in the same role as me and, and I do look slightly different and possibly say offhand things that I might look a, diff, a bit different to them. But people remember, though. <laughs> uh, Lexi, did, did you, like when you went into the role, did, did the, did the organisation – need to have a you know a bit of a transformation uh you know for you to change the culture or was it already in that in that no, sort i think of we mode? had a very good culture when i came in that's what appealed to me um we have done a complete rethink in the last year uh when i've been in the role of what we stand for and re re going back to basics because we're unusual as a small mutual bank or a credit union and that we weren't we don't have a specific bond by which I mean there's firefighters or there's teachers or nurses. We lost our bond in the 1990s. So it was looking for a purpose again. And so it wasn't a rejuvenation of culture. It was looking for a different reason for being and, and finding a new purpose, which is pocket and planet. So, yeah. Profit so it's planet. Is that... saving the planet, but saving your yeah. money at the same time. So you can do both. So it doesn't cost more. It's It's more about saving money so repairing things rather than buying new and 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 that sort of thing doing, doing yes, well exactly. and doing good <laughs> I, I got that from ted somewhere <laughs> uh, i've got a question i'll go back to this question about creativity which is really where we're we're keen to find out more and i i'd love to know you have a lot of creative outlets um in your personal life how important are they for informing the way you work? Uh, so the question is kind of, are they a kind of to compensate? Because at work, we have to follow certain rules. We do certain things. And therefore, when you get home, you can let off steam and write or you can sculpt or whatever. Or do they inform you? Do they help you with the decisions you make and the things you do at work? I think they inform, um, especially the one, the one that I, the one creative outlet that I took, which was, initially for myself I found is, is so helpful at work in general was the improv comedy so I took that just as I became CEO because I wanted to be able to deal with ambiguity and what was the scariest situation I could put myself in and react to it but it's really helped me understand the situation and, and how we work together as well and allow people to be more creative because often in a workplace the, the creative decision or the final decision is made by what they call the hippo, the hired paid person in the organization. And um, with improv, everyone's equal, everyone builds and everyone can change the story at any point. And it's been great for that and for making me take more notice of the fact you've got to listen. You can't sit there thinking, oh, I'm going to say this next. You have to listen to someone and you have to build on what they have said. You can't be sitting there just with your own point to make. Paul's got a point to make. <laughs> I saw the red pen. <laughs> no, 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 actually, that's, that's, that's for Chris, not for you. Uh, no, I was curious. You said you took that, you did that yourself, obviously, and as you know, Chris has done some improv and I've some, done, some, done some stand-up as well, uh, and I really understand that. I think that's a really, you know, a great uh, analogy or, you know, metaphor about, uh, you know, having to listen and you know not making it real. Do you do that sort of thing within the organisation? Like, 
you know, do you go, okay, we're all, you know, do you make, you know, do you encourage people to do that sort of thing or is it something that you do to personally? actually do the improv or? No, yeah, like, you know, do you, yeah, so when, when I had a large architectural company, like we did a six-week singing lesson block uh, and then, you know, we did life drawing classes and we did, you know, all yeah, sorts of I things. Did, do I did you sort um, of... highlight to a few people that there were lessons, free lessons you could go to to get a taster of it, but no one took me up on it. But I did suggest it as a great thing to do, but that's still a project because I know that's it's very far out of people's comfort zones to, to do that. I'd love to to get a few volunteers to do that, but that's a project in the making. I haven't got there that yet. <laughs> Right. Well, you know, cause one of the things that I, I do uh, is, you know, I, I have this, I get clients to paint a bowl of lemons and, and because I, you know, it's a safe environment, it's, it's cool when life gives you lemons, um, like gives you a painting of a bowl of lemons. And it's a safe environment because I know how to get someone to produce a pretty good bowl of lemons. Um, so maybe you could start with a bowl of lemons to get people to experiment their creative side, which is not so uh, I not did so do scary. something similar to that. Uh, when we're doing workshops, well, actually the workshops to do our new purpose, I got um, people, It was I copied it off Tim Brown from IDEO. I'd seen him do it. I asked them at the start to take a piece of paper each and draw the person next to them. And every person right. drew the yeah, person yeah. next to them and... And it was the idea of it from Tim Brown is to watch people and people apologize for what they've drawn. They don't want to draw anything. They don't want to show it. And the point Tim Brown makes is if you were five, you would be proudly holding up your picture, showing the next person. You would be expecting them to take it home and put it on the fridge. And it's about freeing your mind to be playful and not be embarrassed about what you say and and it was it was a really interesting we still have those pictures <laughs> of everyone and it was a really interesting exercise that to to do that so just to show people it's fine if your drawing's not that good we can it, it's not the end of the world it's the fact it's there and it gives us the ideas mm. yeah well that's that's great to hear that you've uh, that you've give that a crack did what were the comments afterwards after you know after they've apologized and did it and show, show yeah, on it there was a someone apology actually it wasn't this time we did it, it was last time um someone drew, drew um a hair on one of the ladies chins and that caused a lot of controversy <laughs> did, did she have I a hair look, or... but, you know yes you shouldn't point it out even if you don't <laughs> 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 oh, that's, we do that's have another funny. rule at the beginning of workshops as well, which is um, it is another stolen idea, but it's um, where we show this beautiful pool, and it's a beautiful pool, you know, an infinity pool. It's probably Hamilton Island or somewhere like that, and it's beautiful. And we're saying, would you like to jump in? And everyone says, it's like, yeah, I'd like to. And then you show, you say, well, what if there's this, and there's a little poo in the pool, and no one will jump in a pool <laughs> if they think that's there. And the idea is don't poo on other people's ideas. <laughs> if you don't, don't be the poo in the pool because no one's going to put their ideas forward and be creative if someone's going to stamp on them straight away. <laughs> I guess it's a, 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 a less sophisticated um, version of Edward de Bono's hats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I might borrow that. That's, I've got a creative session coming out. I might borrow that concept <laughs> if I may. Reminds um, me of the scene from Caddyshack of you uh, when there was a polywaffle <laughs> in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
How do you keep the creative buzz going at Gateway when your back is turned? Well, we have a lot of creative people. We do we do record, um, recruit people who are, think differently. But also what I'm working on is another project. It's some, another idea I've stolen from somewhere else, or sorry, from a few places, so technically it's research, is um, the idea of creative cards <laughs> where each card has a different way of, of doing something. So it might be that if you can't think of an idea or you're stuck, perhaps you reverse positive to a negative or say you can't do that anymore say you're in a restaurant and you can't serve food what do you do or perhaps what if another company took over what if ebay took over what would they do tomorrow what if dolly parton took over tomorrow what would she do that sort of thing it just forces a different mindset so that that's my little project at the moment but we have a lot of creative people who think differently and we all work across different areas when you're in a small company of over 60 people you know what you're part of, you know, your color on the Rubik's Cube you're trying to doing, and you know when you knock someone else's color of the Rubik's Cubes, you have to understand the whole thing as well. So it, it is, it's quite creative. <laughs> That's a great analogy. Is that your analogy, the no, Rubik's Cube? it's another cube? one I acquired. I'm quite, I, I acquire all over. I, I'm <laughs> an, an avid reader. Oh, we, we, we all do, we all do. I love it. I have never heard it before. That's a really Although fabulous I discovered one. I've got but, uh, um, I love that. Sunduko, which is I buy lots of books, but I don't read them. <laughs> I think that's how you pronounce it. It's a Japanese word. <laughs> I think uh, I think there's a creative behaviour in in that concept. Uh, I, I was at a company once, and we called it Steel with Glee, and it recognises that all ideas come from somewhere, um, and so. If, if there is a source of inspiration, recognize it, celebrate it, uh, and don't hide it. I, I think if you if you say I've got a completely new idea, you're probably not right. It's it's will have come from somewhere. So why don't you explain where it came from? I, I love the way you describe that. There's, you know, research. It's like um, Austin Cleon, still like an artist. I, I remember doing. Um, a, I did a course at St Martin's in London when I lived there on fashion design, and. They said that's what fashion designers do. They just pick a theme and then they go and take a bit from here and a bit from here and a bit from here. It wasn't about go sit in a room and try and be original. It was take inspiration from lots of different things and then when you put them together, becomes they become something completely different. I think he called it an extraordinary view on ordinary things. <laughs> yes, yes. It's how you see, not what's in front of you. That's very true. Uh, what about the future, Lexi? Uh, what 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 else is in the horizon for Gateway for keeping it creative, keeping it innovative? Um, we've, we've heard from you recruiting the right kind of people, giving them tools and techniques to be creative, perhaps encouraging them to do things outside of work if they're feeling brave enough, like stand up. What what's ahead? Good question. Um, I, I think those things at the moment are, are the, they they're keeping us creative. That's a tough one. <laughs> We're very much focused on our purpose now, so that's great. It's like a, it, it means you zoom in on one thing, and, and if it if that gets us towards where we're going, that's what we need to do. So it's that constraint again, or beautiful constraint. There's no looking at ideas here, here, and here. It's let's be creative in a certain direction. Uh, I'm wondering what, 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 what about yourself personally. Alexi, do you, and, you know, whether in the business or creatively? Uh, in uh, the business, definitely 
growing the purpose and and making a real difference so that we can make a real difference for our for our members and our customers um creatively who knows i'm always trying something different <laughs> i'm one of those people who just see something and thinks that's interesting i've got a huge list of i've done it once i wouldn't try it again i think floating in in um in a boeing um, trying to get with zero gravity is the one thing I'd never try again. That's, <laughs> that's another. But you've done it. You've had the experience. Yes, there's a reason they call it the vomit comet. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it with um, George Takai from from Star Trek, and he's in his eighties, I think, and he was perfectly fine, and I I, I was not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wow. I, I think when when your book is published i think it'll lay down the gauntlet for people in the organization to go maybe i should write a book and if so what's my book going to be about i think that would be a lovely kind of creative challenge and even if it never gets published though know, it does does challenge people to express themselves and say well what, this is my story what's your story i i think we should leave it there we've learned a huge amount from you a huge amount from you, Lexi. Thank you very much indeed. Um, I hope you didn't mind me calling you an enigma. I think it does apply because you've got so many facets to to what you are, the creative, the artist, the person that knows how to do, put glass fibre on the bottom of a boat. And as we've learned, a future <laughs> author. Um, really appreciate your time. And please give us a call if you want any help with building yeah. Gateway. It sounds like a yeah. fabulous organisation. Thanks so Love much for having involved. me. I listen to all the podcasts. <laughs> well, thank, thanks, Lexi. Look, I just want to say thank you as well, and and you've been really inspiring because uh, you know I suppose you know Chris and I are very much like minded, but you know we're we're in the creative space, and it's fantastic to see someone that's a CEO of a bank, which is you know seen normally as so staid, to be incredibly creative personally, but also to apply that creativity to uh, to your business, and I, I just think uh, I think it's inspiring and. I think uh, the bank and you know and the people are very lucky to have you there. Thank you. So, um, can I just say that I have never laughed so hard in ages at your um, inability to be a dead body and the shooting the bed story. <laughs> 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 the shooting the bed story. I was on a train and I really embarrassed myself laughing. <laughs> well, anyway. Understand that Paul once tried out as an actor and was cast as a dead body, and they rejected him. Not able to be a dead body. But the story about shooting the bed was a story about my grandfather. Where the lovely story about that is that I didn't hear that story until at least twenty-five years after he passed away, from someone that was, uh, you know, a, a, a private serving him in him in World War Two. So uh, yeah, so uh, well, I'm I'm pleased to. Uh, that we're entertaining your um, your commute, Lexi. <laughs> right. Thank you so much. Thank you, anyone listening in. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, please give us some feedback. Please share the link with your friends, and we hope we'll see you all next week. Uh, yeah, and before we go, Lexi, is there anywhere that people uh, can contact you? I know you're in the bank, but uh, is there, if they, um, I yep, don't know. They can always find me on LinkedIn. Me too. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. And, fantastic. Uh, if, they, if they need a mortgage, they go to gatewaybank.com.au. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Is that all, You'll be in days of now. 
Is that a word from our new sponsor, Chris? (laughs) (laughs) We're available for sponsorship next year. It's pricey, but... (laughs) 